Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I have a a specific uh, direction that I I have in my heart to go today that I'm going to do something a little bit different. And I'm going to ask a a couple of questions and I'm going to invite some audience participation. There is one key. I will not allow any FBIMA students to answer first. <laughs> or professors. <laughs> I said first, if, if we come to so that there's not how many FBI, how many are FBIMA students in here? Because that might be half. Well, well, have mercy. <laughs> then that means I'm really limited in my my answers. Okay, all right. Well, let me lift that rule then, because that would exempt almost all of you. Praise God. Uh, I want to see who could come up here and tell me something Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. Do I have any volunteers? What did Jesus teach or say about the Spirit of God? Pastoral staff jumping up first. I'm going to go with Brother Kevin just because you're pastoral. (laughs) Come on, Brother Kevin. What did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? Go ahead and speak in the microphone so that those who are joining us are... He said, it's expedient that I go away, and I will send the Holy Spirit back to you, because if I don't go away, he won't come. That's good. Yes. Yes. Praise God. Expedient. What does expedient mean to you? It means it needs to be done, and it means that it's it's for your benefit. Yes. Yes. Praise God. Praise God. Good. Good. What else did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? Anybody? Brother Buzz, you got to come up here. Hallelujah, hallelujah. What did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? This is what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will testify about him. That's what he said about him. To confirm that what he says is true. Amen, amen. Praise God. Who else? What did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? Now, since you have lifted your hands, and I do know that you are FBIMA <laughs> graduates from our Bible college, I know that we spent a lot of time talking about the Holy Spirit in our, we did a whole book of Brother Hagin's, didn't we? He said he'd be the comforter, the helper, our advocate. Yes, yes, praise God, praise God. Who else? He, he said quite a, did he say anything else? Are those the only three things that he said? Come on and tell me, what else did he say? You're next. Come on, Doris, you can... Unless he takes yours. He said he would be another, the same, exactly like him. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Tell us, what did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? Uh, He said, I'll uh, bring, he'll bring all things back to your remembrance. I love that one. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, just in this little bit, come on, do you have more? Do we have more? I know Pastor Marie could could share with us something. Uh, He said 
the this the Holy Spirit speaks of things that he hears in the throne room. Praise God. Here's things from the Father. Come on, tell us something they haven't said yet. Got any? Uh, Got one? They covered good. They're, really they, they're well. pretty good. Taught well. <laughs> uh, well, I want to hit on the comforter. Yes. Because, you know, any time that we are in need, we have somebody that we can depend on and yeah. turn to. And I, I just want to preach what you guys just said, you know, and, and just... Go uh, ahead. <laughs> we don't get you here as much as we want to. Go ahead. So, anyway, the comforter, he... When you're going through challenges in life, and I say challenges because I don't say hardship because nothing's too hard for us because we have the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. And when we turn towards Him and, 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 and ask Him and consider Him, consider God's ways and, and be willing to be led by that Spirit, by His Spirit, then we all things are possible to us. Yes. Nothing's too hard for us. And so when we depend on that comforter in those times that we face in life, uh, it, it makes it simple, quick, and easy. Amen. You know? But we have to be determined to listen to him and be, be ready and be quick to hear him. And the more practice we yes. get in that, the more immediate we can hear his voice. Because at first, when we first start doing that, it's, it's like, was that you, God? Was that the Holy Spirit? But, the, but when you start leaning and heeding to what he's saying, it becomes easier and easier. And you can go through the most difficult thing in your life. Yes. But when you depend on God and his word and, be, and choose to be led by the Holy Spirit through the midst of the trial, the comfort of the Holy Spirit comes in. And comforts you yes. and gives you the peace that you need, gives you the joy that is his strength. Amen. And so uh, everything that everybody said, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm just going to preach it so because, <laughs> because it's true. And uh, we got to be practiced. Yes. we got to be seasoned in listening and being guided by the Holy Spirit. So. Yes. Yes. Praise God. Did, did you have anything that wasn't said yet? Or do you want to just he add a punctuation? Us, he will show us things to come. Yes. And lead us and guide us into all truth. Into all truth. Into all truth. Yes. In the, yes. In the, in I better sit down the again. Climate, <clears throat> in the world climate today, the comfort comes from knowing the truth. The truth. If you know the truth, you have comfort. Yes. Yes. And when you are in truth, <laughs> nothing can sway you. Paul you can said, tag her in if you need to. Like Paul that. said that he would, he would lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said that. But Paul said that I am fully persuaded that neither anything, height nor, height depth, nor width depth, width or breadth, width or breadth can separate me from the love of God, which is the truth, which is the truth, which brings comfort, which brings those things into our life. tribulation, distress is what you were just quoting. I, I, I quoted something different. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, all those I'm things. Amen. Yeah. I am persuaded. It's absolute truth, no matter what the world is facing. And I yes. say the world because we're not of this world. We're in it. We don't have to face those same things because we have the comforter and we have the truth on our side. Amen. 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 Are you done? <laughs> okay, the truth. The truth. Okay. Lead you into all truth. All truth. This world has changed. Yes. Especially the last 10 years. Yes. Right? And are persuading bodies of Christ yeah. to accept things that are not the truth. Yeah. They are not biblical. They don't line up. Yeah. 
this world, they tell you, you need to change with the time. You need to uh, become aware. But the Holy Spirit brings the light of the word. Praise and it God. reveals things to us, which is the truth, right? Listen, the world is changing, but God has not. <laughs> the world is changing their views and their values, but God is still the same God. He is, Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. Praise Amen? God, yes. And so when we follow the Holy Spirit, and he's going to reveal and remind us of the truth. Yes. And when we have the Lead truth, we have truth. the comfort. Yes. We have the absolute knowing. Nothing can shake us. Nothing can move us off that solid rock. The world can do what they want, but we, we know. You know. You know. know. You know. Yes. You know, and it, I laugh. So, you know, a lot of Christians get upset and get, uh, you know, all flustered. But when they start saying stuff, I'm like, you don't know. I know the truth. Yes. And you know what it says? The truth will set you free, right? right. The truth will make you free. So it's not just letting you go and being able to get trapped again. When you stay in the truth and stay being led by the Holy Spirit, you will always be set for you will always be living in that realm of freedom. Amen. Amen. Praise Amen. God. Praise God. And so we've got to follow the Holy Spirit and be led by him and consider him. Stop a minute and say, "Lord, is this what you want me to do?" Holy Spirit, I am quick to hear. And quick to follow your leading and guiding. Yes. Because my footsteps are ordered by the Lord. Yes. And so when we do that, nothing can shake us. We are in the truth. And nothing can shake us. Praise Amen. God. Praise God. Praise God. You got to come up and take the microphone, brother. You can't just... You... Well, and what the world needs is what pastor says. And I try to say it all the time. He says the Holy Spirit will help us take the truth and wrap it in love. Yes. The world needs to hear the truth, yes. but we've got to be able to wrap it in love. And it's um, this last uh, week, Connie and I had listened, gosh, I think three or four times to a message that Brother Keith Moore had talked about, about our words, and it goes with the truth. Yes. And it says, you know, when it talks in Mark 11, and it says, when it talks about the words we speak, it's saying, we have to believe them. Yes. We have to have that in our heart. And so many times we are liars because we speak things and we really, really don't believe them in our heart. And he said, we're liars. And so then how can you lie? And then all of a sudden you come around and now you need to speak it yes. and you can believe it. And that our words are not to be idle. Every word we say, just as Jesus said, his word Yes. Will not return void. It will do what it was sent to do. Yes. Every word we speak is to do what it's set to do. And yes. we need to be so careful on what we say. And like and the Holy Spirit. Pastor Marie said, it's like we gotta stop before we say and have the Holy Spirit. You know, we this we need to be able to vent. We need to speak our mind. We need that. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says that. <laughs> we're so supposed to. Thou shalt vent. We're so supposed to be speaking the mind of Christ. Amen. And we've got to slow down, 
and make sure the words we speak are the truth. And the only way they're the truth is we have to believe in them and they have to come from the Holy Spirit in our heart. Otherwise, they're just idle words. First Corinthians chapter two says the Holy Spirit teaches us the words to say the with words that the Holy Spirit teaches. So I opened up to have some audience participation because number one, I want to find out how much we know about the help of the Holy Spirit, about what Jesus taught about the Spirit of God. And number two, I want there to be a witness among us for us all to be able to see how many of us are aware of and participating in the leading of the Holy Spirit, having Him as our teacher, recognizing Him in our daily lives. Because we need to be so skilled. The Lord has taken me back to something that He said through Dr. Pat Harrison when she was here two years ago. And it is available on our YouTube here at the Faith Builders International campus for you to go back and watch it. Uh, he said that we, everybody in the seats needed to be so skilled that you could disciple anybody in how to receive the Holy Spirit, how to be born again, uh, that, you could, that you could teach people yourself. So for you to be at a level that you can teach something you need to have a proficiency of your own you need to be able to find out where the scripture says that you need to be able to explain in a way that someone who doesn't know any bible verse is able to understand what you're saying i remember i've I've been in a process of um uh, redoing and doing some edits and adding to my testimony because uh, I, I have signed a contract with Harrison House to go nationwide with my testimony. So uh, I'm so excited, yes. And we are, um, in the preparation of that, I realize how unknowledgeable I was when I came to God. How I, had, I, ha- I was a blank slate. I had no understanding about anything about Scripture. I didn't understand anything about God. And I'm, I'm thankful that I, when I did get born again, I got saved into a church that had a good foundation, that gave, that gave me a good foundation of the word and didn't take me into a religion or into a denominational, and I'm not against denominations in, in that, I'm not speaking against denominations, but they didn't take me into something that limited me. Let me put it that way. I want you to be so aware of the word in your personal life that you are able to teach others also. That's the purpose of the local church. We're not here just to have a club. We are here because we're a family. We are the family of God. The local church is a family where the anointing of God drawing us together, establishing the truths in us so that we can use our faith for each other, so that we can pray the prayer of faith for each other, so that we can believe God with each other, so that we can rejoice with those who rejoice. We can help people through difficult times in their lives. Amen? We are also a place where when the lost get saved, they have to come to learn. They have to come somewhere to learn. They're not going to find out how to walk with God at home by themselves. No one's going to grow spiritually at home by yourself. 
you can you can watch online for a time, but that might that might be like a, a, an IV that barely keeps you alive, but it's not going to help you grow. You can't learn to walk in love until you encounter somebody unlovely. And you, I, I'm telling you, you got to, to learn to walk in love. It, you need to have uh, you need to have some sandpaper sometimes, right? And so there, you could to, for you to have to forgive one another. Think of how many times the scripture uses the phrase one another. One another, one another, one another, one another. I'm not going to go through them all right now. But, but he, he, in the New Testament, it, this connection in the local church is the place where God helps people grow. So let's, let's hone our skill in what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. We've heard all of those uh, accurate uh, uh, declarations of things that the Holy Spirit and how important he is in our daily life. But let's go back and look at uh, some things that Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. And the first thing that I want to do is start in John chapter 3 because I want you to know that every person who's born again, the Holy Spirit is in the new birth. They receive the presence of the Holy Spirit in the new birth. You don't have to speak in tongues to have the Holy Spirit living in your heart. If you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, the evidence of that baptism is going to be that you speak in tongues. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit is only available to those who have first received Jesus as Lord and Savior and are born again. So if a person is not born again with Jesus as Lord, they cannot receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's the promise of the Father. To receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I, I, I want us to see the Holy Spirit dwells within the heart of every person who has accepted Jesus as Lord. Jesus says this in John chapter 3 verse 5. Speaking of the new birth. He says, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. And my center column reference says, born from above. You must be born again. So just because we, we are all birthed naturally into this earth. But every person born on the earth is not a child of God. Every person born on the earth is created by God. But every person is not born of God. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But to them who receive him, he gives them power to become the sons of God. To as many as receive Jesus as Lord. So if if a person who is born on the earth has not accepted Jesus as Lord, they're not a child of God. They're created by God, but not a child of God, a son of God. To become a son of God requires that we receive Jesus as Lord. As many as received him, to them gave he the authority. That word is exousia. Authority, the right or privilege to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So going back to John chapter 3, he says, you must be 
born from above. You must be born again. And so Jesus said being born again is being born of the Spirit. He says it again in verse 8. The wind blows where it lists and you hear the sound thereof but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So Jesus is using an illustration to help us visualize something that is spiritual, the new birth. Can you show me the Amplified of verse 8? Hallelujah. He's showing us an example of the wind and how that you really can't see wind. You can't really see wind. Wind is invisible. You can see the wind blowing the trees. You can see wind moving uh, loose objects. But the wind itself is not necessarily visible. If, it's, if there's a lot of rain, you can see the rain in that wind. As it's, but the wind, so he's using an illustration of something, even though you can't see the new birth, the new birth is like the wind. The effect that it's going to produce in that person's life will be vis visible. The change that it brings when the new birth takes place, that will be visible. The wind blows where it wills, and though you hear its sound, you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit, talking about being born again. This is people who have accepted Jesus as Lord. They are born again, born from above. Old things, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, old things are passed away. You are not remodeled. You're not a renovation. God didn't just, you know, hose you down, clean you up, and, uh, you know, replace the bricks that were busted and put a little bit of new, new tile on the floor and, you know, just paint those old walls. Nope. All, all of that old, he just took it all out and brought it all new in. So in you is a person, for instance, when I got born again, before, the day before... I got born again. I was a person who had been addicted to drugs. I had prostituted my body. I had uh, been involved in armed robberies. But this woman standing before you today has never put a needle in her arm. I've never, I've never done that. That's, uh, that's the old Michelle, the Michelle before Christ. She's passed away. And I can show you where she's buried. I have her death certificate, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. That's where I died, on the cross with Christ. That's where the old Michelle died. I have her death certificate. I have her birth certificate, her, her, her uh, 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 burial plot in Romans chapter 6. I was buried with him into his death by baptism. And there in Romans 6 and Ephesians 2, I have my birth certificate. I've been raised into the newness of life. And I also have my permanent address. Ephesians 2 says that I am seated together with Christ at the right hand of the Father. That's on my ID card. If you want to see my ID card, it has my address on it. That's where I live now. Amen? So this new birth came because of my faith in what Jesus did for me, but by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brought the life of God into my spirit and made me new. 
I am born of the Spirit. And that's what first, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 goes on to say. All things are created new. And the next verse says, and all things are of God or birthed of God, born of God. So we are of God. 1 John 5 says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome the evil one. Because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. You are of God. You are birthed of God. The Spirit of God lives in you. You are a dwelling place, an abode. You are the address for the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit, he's got multiple addresses. He has a home in, in, in Michelle's heart. He has a home in, in Melanie's heart. He has a home in Earl's heart. He has a home in Jeremy's heart, Sarah's heart, uh, Ms. Virginia's heart. He has a home in my heart. He's got multiple addresses. Try to ship something to him. Now, uh, that's a job for you there, Brother Smart. Well, he'll, he'll get it there. <laughs> Brother Dave said, I can get it done. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Why? Because we are born again. Jesus said we are born of the Spirit. John 14, John 14, Jesus said, let's read verse 17. 14, 17. He's speaking to his disciples in 14, 15, and 16. That is one long conversation. It is the conversation that he is having with them before he goes to the cross. In this conversation, he deals with them about significant changes that are about to take place in their interaction with God. He talks about their love walk. He said, before now, you've heard it said that you should love each other as you love yourself, but I'm going to raise that standard, and I'm going to say you should love people the way I've loved you. He goes on and he says, before now, you've never asked anything in my name. But from this point on, you're going to ask in my name. And then he, he teaches them and he deals with them about the authority that he is delegating to them in his name. But the other important element that he uh, continually addresses in this conversation is their interaction with the Holy Spirit. And I want to start with this one because he identifies where the whole, how the Holy Spirit has been interacting with them and how the Holy Spirit will interact with them differently after the cross. We live after the cross. So listen, he said, the spirit of truth, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him for he dwells with you before the cross. Before the shed blood, before salvation was available, he was telling them, he dwells with you. I have a question. Raise your hand if, if, you, if, you, if, if you say yes to this question. Did these disciples before the cross, did they cast out devils in Jesus' name? Was that a yes? Did they lay hands on the sick and see the sick recover? Were there, were there people healed? Did they do that because they were disciples? Just to, or did they do that because the Holy Spirit was working with them? Jesus had delegated authority and told them to go out and to preach and that those signs would follow them. 
He delegated to them and he said for them to lay hands on the sick. He told them to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, and, and to preach the gospel to the poor. So we know that they had the Holy Spirit operating with them, but not the way we have. Not the way we have, because he says, he dwells with you and shall be in you. He shall be in you. He shall be in you. Well, now we live after the cross. He is in us. Why? Because through the shed blood of Jesus, your heart becomes a legitimate abode for him. Because of the blood, the Holy Spirit's comfortable living on the inside of you. Without the blood, he couldn't have this kind of contact with us. But because of the blood washing us and making us new and giving us the... He is able to come in and birth our spirits new so we're not who we were or what we did or what they did to us. We're not the number that used to be behind our name. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus, born of the Spirit... And the Spirit of God now lives in me, has His permanent address in me. Hallelujah. This is not what Jesus said, but we're going to connect this to uh, uh, just so give a little bit of supporting New Testament testimony. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16, the Apostle Paul is teaching to the church here at Corinth, and he says to them, he asks a question. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? He asked it in a way of, you do know this, right? Don't you remember this? <laughs> don't, you, don't you realize this? Know ye not? Don't you know? As if it was public knowledge. Don't you know that... You are the temple. This word temple is the word naos, N-A-O-S, and it describes the holy of holies. In the Old Testament, only one person could enter the holy of holies, and that was the high priest, and he could not go in unless he had blood of the sacrifices to, walk, to cover the sins of the people. But God calls you the holy of holies. I love that. I love that because in me, he has made such a, through the new birth, he has made such an abode in me, such a place in my heart, in my spirit, that I am the same atmosphere of the holy of holies that used to be hidden behind a veil. <laughs> know ye not that you are the holy of holies? Don't you know you are that place that he used to have to hide behind a veil? Where the presence of God sits upon the, the covenant of God, the Ark of the Covenant. Don't you know you are that place? You are the Holy of Holies. And the Holy Spirit lives in you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. He asks again. He's coming to this Corinthian church in the same letter. Bringing back to them again this in reference to their behavior, 
in reference to how they were acting and how, what they were um, fellowshipping with, people that they, the things they were fellowshipping with and the people. He said in verse uh, uh, 19, What? What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? The Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you, which you have you have him from God, of God. The Holy Spirit is in you, and you have him because God placed him in you. The, you have the Spirit of God in you because God placed him in you. Hallelujah. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Where does God live? This building is not God's. This is where the church gathers. This is not the church. You are the church. We're the body of Christ. We are the ones who are the holy of holies of God, each and every one. And when we all come together, he's here corporately in, in a greater way because we're all here with our, our, our part of his presence. Amen? So you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Go with me again to John. Let's go to John chapter 4 because our emphasis is really what did Jesus teach about the Holy Spirit because Jesus is our master. He's our teacher. And if he emphasizes something, I want to have the same emphasis that my teacher has. If, you're, if your teacher's preparing you for a test and your teacher says, now listen, uh, pay attention to this part of chapter 4. Pay attention to what we learned here in, in, in this part about how to, uh, uh, you know, make sure you know that equation. Make sure you know about that, that standard that we talked about. What they're saying is that's going to be on the test. <laughs> I'm giving you this emphasis because it's of vital importance that you know this for what's coming. So that you can pass, so that you can walk through easily the challenge, so you can walk through it if you have the, what I've been emphasizing. And so Jesus is emphasizing to us. I want to look here in John 4 because uh, we see an aspect of this emphasis that is specific to us. Verse 14, Jesus is teaching the woman at the well and he says to her in verse 14, Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The, he is referring to the new birth. And he, we know that he said in John chapter 4 that the new birth 
was, or in John chapter 3, that the new birth was being born of the Spirit. And now he is referring as it, this new birth, this presence of the Holy Spirit in us is a personal well. A personal well. If you ever get thirsty, you don't have to wait till you get to church. If you ever get thirsty, if you ever have need of living water, just reach right down on the inside because I've put the well in you. I, I put you a personal well so that you can always have access to drink of living water. A personal well springing up, springing up. Everlasting life is not talking about after you die. See, uh, see a lot of people just put that off to the future because they saw everlasting and they think that means when I go to heaven. But he's talking about life that never diminishes in power. Life that never, never loses its, its strength. You know, in the natural, we're not used to that. I mean, we drive the car off the car lot and it loses $10,000 just in one inch. Oh, from, one, from, from this side of the car lot to the other, it just lost $10,000 worth of value, didn't it? it? Or maybe more, right? It just diminished in value the moment it, 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 the title became mine. The, the things that we are used to, we're used to things wearing out. We're used to things losing power. We're used to batteries going down. My phone needs to be charged, right? We're, we're used to things getting worn out. I've had that so long, you know, the, the knees have worn out on it. I've had it so long, the, the bottoms have worn out on those shoes. And, you know, that robe that you just can't seem to give up. And your wife wants to throw that, that pajamas away and just, just stop. <laughs> right? But, but I've had it so long. Yeah, exactly. And it's worn out. And you've got coffee stains all over it. We're used to things wearing out. But everlasting things, eternal things, never lose power, never lose value. The blood, the blood of Jesus is eternal. It is just as valuable today as it was the day it came out of his veins. It ha even though it has been accessed and we have, we have used the blood of Jesus to cleanse us. We have, we have accessed that blood and we have applied that blood to our lives to protect us. It's not weaker because of it. And it's not less valuable. We, we wouldn't look at the blood of Jesus and say, that's old blood. We need some new blood. Why? Because it's, it's ever, everlasting. It's eternal. That's the life in you. That's the life in you, Zoe, the God kind of life. The Holy Spirit brings a constant supply. Jesus explained it this way. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. What's in me is in you. The same life flowing through my veins, so to speak, is flowing into you because I'm the vine and you're the branch. We're talking about a spiritual connection, a divine connection. So Jesus is using the well of water to describe the presence of the Holy Spirit in the, every believer. Say every believer. Every person who's accepted Jesus as Lord has this well. At any time, they can access the water of the Holy Spirit to help them. Amen? Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Now, 
John 14, let's go back to this conversation Jesus is having with his disciples and look at 14, 26. 14 and verse 26. He says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. The comforter is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. So do you see the Trinity working together? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working together. He said, this is how we're going to work together. The Father will send him as my representative in my name. The Holy Spirit will come. The Comforter will come. He will teach you all things. He will teach you all things. I, I want to just... Send out a news report, news alert to everybody. We need what he teaches. We can't get what we need without him teaching us. There are things that we need access to that we're only going to understand if we have him teaching us. I'm looking around and I see some teachers. I got some teachers up here on the front row. Got Miss Doris back there. She's a teacher. We know as teachers that there are concepts that the first time that you present them to that student, it is a, they're a blank page to it. It's, it's like a blank canvas, and you've got to present the concept in a way that becomes a foundation for the things that you need to build on. You can go all the way back to the alphabet. For us to be able to spell today, we had to learn the sounds that the vowels made. We had to learn the sounds that the consonants made. We had to learn those sounds and become skilled in those sounds because that was something. And, and people might be able to pick up on things. There are people who say, why don't you just let the Holy Spirit teach you how to speak Spanish? Well, that would be great. There have been people who testified to the fact that they were in a position that they needed to be able to speak the language and the Holy Spirit supernaturally gave them. But I need to be able to write it too. So he took me the long way around and I had to learn all of the sounds that the, the, the alphabet makes in Spanish because it's different. We don't sing A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. We sing A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, N, Y, O, P, Q, R, S, T, T. I like the Sesame Street version here. It's a whole different alphabet. It's a different alphabet. It's the same letters, but they make different sounds. And so when I went in to learn Spanish, that's where we started. The same way I learned English. Well, the Holy Spirit has things to teach us that we can't wrap our mind around it without Him teaching it to us because it's not available here. I know Pastor Marie asked me a question one time when we were on the road traveling and we were talking about something and she said, can't, can't you just... Because we were talking about the importance of studying and letting the Holy Spirit prepare you through the Word of God. She said, can't you just get up and preach something without having the knowledge of it? And, you know, that can happen at times. You can utter things by revelation, and you go back and you're like, I didn't know that till I said it just now. But that's not the norm. The norm is that He will take us to the Word, and He'll teach us 
so that we can teach others also. Amen. Right? And, and when she asked me that question, I, I, I realized the difference is there are things that may need to be uttered that the Holy Spirit can just bring to me to say. And then when I say them, I realize I didn't quite know that till I said it. But the, but the things that he knows that we need, he wants them to be fundamental things that are said over and over and over and over. Do you know how many times I practiced my multiplication table? I did not practice my multiplication tables one time. My teacher didn't say, okay, one time, multiplication table, seven times eight is. Like, wait, we practiced, when, but especially when we got up in the sevens and the eights, we had to listen to that rate, record player. Y'all remember the record player? My teacher had a record player, and it had the song on it with the multiplication tables on it, and it was getting imprinted in our understanding. There are things that the Holy Spirit teaches and teaches and teaches and teaches because it takes more than one hearing for us to get the full comprehension of it, for it to stick with us, for that concept of it to stay with us. That's why we need more church, not less church. We don't need less services. He's, it needs to go from the mind to the spirit. He's, he's got to get through our thinking. He's got to get through our, our understanding. But he wants to get it in our heart. That's why he said Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, Attend. Give me your attention, attend, focus on it, look at it, think about it. Attend to my word, incline your ear to hear it, don't let it depart from in front of your eyes because my objective is to get it into the, in, the innermost parts of your heart. I want to get it in your heart because there's a difference between what I know in my head and what I believe in my heart. Faith is of the heart and so the Holy Spirit teaches us, and we need to be better students. Everybody. I'm not criticizing you. I'm telling you, everybody. You could be a better student. I can be a better student. I'm endeavoring. I'm endeavoring to be a better student. I'm endeavoring to be a better student. I'm endeavoring that when he tells me something, I pull over and write it down if I'm driving. I don't try to do it while I'm driving. I pulled over this morning. The Lord started sharing something with me. I pulled over, stopped the car, and put it in my phone. Because I'm not going to forget that. You had enough thought to share that with me. It was important enough for you to share that with me. I'm not going to let the fact that I'm driving interrupt. So I, I think I need to get better at using my voice recorder. Because I could have told... Uh, my, my device to remind me. But, but regardless, I want to be a better student because the Holy Spirit needs to teach me things. There are things you can't get into without His teachings. There are things that you're not going to be able to fulfill in God's plan. It's God's plan. It's God wants it for us. It's His desire that we have it. But we need the teaching that the Holy Spirit brings to help us enter into that. So he teaches us all things. All things. And that, so he, we're not limiting him to just Bible things. You know, Pastor Steele tells the testimony of when he was working at Blue Cross and Blue Shield and they sent out a notice to the three people in his department that said, by Monday morning, I want you to have this kind of uh, Excel report on my desk. And he said, 
You know, I got into that job by the favor of God. I had never had a college class, and I did not know how to use, and I did not know how to build the formulas in an Excel spreadsheet. I would need a YouTube video to tell me. Google would definitely be my friend if I had to go build my, I, I use the templates. To build the formula into, he said, they wanted it on the desk by Monday. And so he said, all day Friday, I sat at my desk and prayed in the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit taught me how. When we first went on live stream, uh, the way that we had things set up, the, 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 they were telling me, we can't, we, we can't do live stream. We can't do live stream. I was like, we can do live stream. I prayed in the Holy Spirit to build the website. I prayed in the Holy Spirit to build the, to the first time that we went on live stream. I prayed in the Holy Spirit to get Why? Because I didn't know how to do, I didn't know how to run a computer. But the Holy Spirit taught me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He'll teach you all things. So not just limited to Bible things. He wants you to excel in that. Especially, but he'll help you in the areas that you need it. If you don't know how to be a good husband, a good wife, he'll teach you. Amen. He will teach you. Why? Because he is, he is a, he is the one who, who knows that person better than anybody knows how to love that person. Amen? You don't know how to raise your children? He's got that. He's got all the answers you need at every stage. Not, hey, listen, teenagers... They are no problem for the Holy Spirit. He will help you. He will teach you. But we need his teaching. So the, because of his nature, because the Holy Spirit will never force himself upon you, he, is, he will never be rude to you. He won't make you do anything. And that was the difference for me. When I first came to God, I was used to the addiction making me do things. Sin drove me. That, that, that I was in a, I, I wanted God, just make me live right, you know, <laughs> make me do the right thing. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. You, I'm going to teach you how to do the wrong thing, but you've got to make the choice. So the Holy Spirit's not going to make you get up out of bed and get your Bible open. Amen. You need to choose and discipline yourself to say, okay, if you are my teacher, I'm ready for class. I'm coming to hear and I'm coming to learn. And I'm bringing you my attention. And when I come into the classroom, I'm not going to sit in the back and throw spitballs. I'm going to come and I'm going to sit up front. And I'm going to say, okay, I don't want to miss anything that you put on the board. And I don't want to miss anything that you say because all those people back there are, are, are jokesters. I want to sit up front and I want to get... I, in other words, come to your time with, the, with God. Come to your time with an expectation to learn something. He is my teacher. Talk to him like he's your teacher. Learn to ask him questions. Do you know in this book are things from conversations I've had with Pastor Happy Caldwell, Sister Jeannie Caldwell, Pastor Nancy Dufresne, conversations that I've had. There are things, uh, scriptures that the Lord has given me, different things that I pray about. Here's one from Brother Savelle. The Lord said to Brother Savelle, uh, if you don't talk to your mountain, they'll talk to you. God governs and determines timing. Do you know how I got these? 
I, when, when I had the opportunity that we had invited them into our church and we are offering them some food afterwards or we're fellowshipping with them, I'm asking questions. Sister Jeannie, she'll say, okay, what questions do you have for us today, Michelle? Because she knows I'm coming loaded for, I'm lo- I, I, you got something, you know something I need to know. You've got some understanding I need to have. So when I go to lunch with my pastor, guess what comes out of my bag? They would be surprised if I came to lunch when, when they had the opportunity to meet with my pastor. If I didn't have my pen and my paper with me, they would, they would think, what is the matter with it? She must, not, she must think she knows everything we need, everything she needs to know from us. No, ma'am. No, sir. Why? I'm a good student. I had to learn, though. I had to learn how to ask the questions. I had to learn how to open up that. I mean, because, you know, people with wisdom generally don't throw it out if you're not catching it. But if they know you're catching it, they'll open the the floodgates and start pouring out understanding for you. And so when I start asking Dr. Savell questions about longevity in ministry, he doesn't just give me a one-word answer. He gives me points. I got a whole page just off one question. Tell me the secret to longevity in ministry. Tell me what it, some of the things. And he, he preached like a whole sermon to me. And I'm just, 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 just like, the Lord, Holy Spirit, bring back to my remembrance everything he's saying. Right? But listen, I had to learn how to be a student. I heard uh, Dr. Michael Jacobs, he said he had been a pastor for over, I think at that time, he's pastored over 40 years, I want to say now, but he had been a pastor for 20, 20 some odd years, and uh, God connected him with Dr. Dufresne, and so he said, I would go to Dr. Dufresne's meetings, and the Lord said to me, you forgot how to receive. You've been teaching so long, you've been pastoring so long, you forgot how to sit in the service and receive. And he said, I had to learn how to receive again. I had to learn how, how to, to hear, not as if I was going to preach that sermon, but to hear as if I, this is something that I need to learn. So becoming a student is the key to learning from the teacher. You know, the Holy Spirit, he's the best teacher in the entire universe. There is no teacher better than him. And when I was homeschooling my students, I real, my, my children, I realized they learn differently. My oldest daughter, she loved the smell of new paper. She loved to line up her ink pens and her markers on the side of her page. But my son was so bored with that. If I wanted him to learn, he learned better doing jumping jacks. If he was doing something active, if he was doing something hands-on, they both were learning, but they were learning differently. The Holy Spirit knows how you learn best. And if you will come to him as your teacher and say, Holy Spirit, there are so many things I need to learn. Will you teach me? He will teach you in the way you receive the best. A specially tailored method for you. Teaching you in all things. And then it says, he will bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I have said unto you. 
So that's not, not just what is written to us in the Bible, although he will do that. But those things that Jesus has spoken to us, he will bring them to our remembrance. Because sometimes we let it slip. Hebrews chapter 2, chapter two says that we need to give more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip. So it's possible to let things slip. Did, did John the Baptist, did he hear directly from God? Did he say publicly, he said, the one who sent me to baptize told me that when I see the Holy Spirit coming upon and remaining upon, that that is the person who is the Christ. And I testify to you publicly this day that I have seen the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus. Jesus is the one. Did he receive that from God? Direct revelation. And yet a few chapters later, he is sending his disciples and asking, Are you the one? He let it slip. Are you the one? We know why he let it slip, don't we? What, what was it that caused him to lose the revelation he once had? He got offended about his circumstance. Because Jesus said, go tell him, go tell John. The gospel's being preached to the poor. The lame are walking. The blind are seeing. And blessed are those who are not offended in me. Because offense in the parable of the sower stops the growth of the word or it stops the production of that revelation. So even when we have done something in the flesh that has caused us to slip where something we used to know and used to be really strong in, even when it's something that we opened the door to and we, we didn't give it attention, we let it slip, or we got offended, he'll still bring it to us. If we'll come back to him as our teacher and say, please, I need a fresh revelation of that. Reveal that to me again, would you? And he will bring it to your remembrance. Hallelujah. We need those things to come to our remembrance. And only he can do that. Only he can do that. There are things that the Holy Spirit can do in our life that only he can do. Our interaction with him has to have a place of, of importance, have a priority. That my, my time with God is a time where I am coming with an eagerness to learn, where he is showing me I expect to learn something today. I expect to, for, that he's going to bring things to my remembrance today. The things that Jesus has said to me. Amen? And we'll stop in John 16 and look at verse 13. John 16, 13. How be it? Let's go ahead and begin in verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient. And as Brother Kevin said, expedient means necessary. It's vital. It's of great importance. And it's going to be for your benefit. It is expedient for you. It's necessary for you. It's vitally important for you that I go away. Can you imagine what they thought? 
<laughs> Wait a minute. You're the one who multiplied the fish and the bread. You're the one who spoke to the wind in the middle of that storm that we thought we were all going to die. And you spoke to the wind and the wind obeyed you. I don't think it's better that you leave us anytime. I can't see how it's better for you to leave and, and leave. No, 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 no. Please stay. Please stay. Please stay. And he says, no, no, it's better for you. It's more important for you. It's going to be to your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him. If Jesus, our master, our savior, our redeemer, sent someone to us, I want to show him the greatest honor. Jesus sent him. Jesus sent him, the one who washed me, the one who died for me, sent someone to me. He needs to have a place of importance in my life. Amen. He said, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness as a judgment of sin because they don't believe on me, of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Jesus had many things to say, and they weren't able to receive it. That would be like a teacher looking at their students and saying, I need to be able to teach you how these consonants fit together, but you still haven't even mastered how to give the vowel sounds yet. You haven't even mastered the sounds of the individual consonants. So until we master that, I can't move on to talk about what CH sound makes. I can't move on to talk to you about what happens when we put the C and the L together because you haven't mastered the, this baseline of understanding. So Jesus is saying, there's more that I need to tell you, but I can't tell you right now because you're not at a place of maturity. You're not in a position to receive it. So the Holy Spirit, he's going to bring you into it. Thank you, Lord. He just didn't leave us in the dark and say, okay, you're stuck where you are. You're not going to get to know any more than you know right now. And so, no, praise God. He loves us enough to say, okay, even though you couldn't receive it right now, I'm going to bring you a person who's going to live in you. So that as you become skilled in the learning, as you become a better student, the more... You, the more you bring to being a student, the more he's able to bring for you as his teaching ability. Amen. You're not stuck with a bad teacher. Hallelujah. You're not stuck with a teacher who is, who is not capable. You have been granted the spirit of God himself to teach you the things of God. Amen. Hallelujah. He, he does so with the help of the fivefold ministry, the pastor's office especially says that pastor is apt to teach. Who's teaching through the pastor's gift? The Holy Spirit teaches us through the, the gift of the pastor. So he said, you have things that I need to teach you. 
but you can't bear them. Verse 13, Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. You never have to be deceived. You know, the scriptures that talks about the last days, even the elect will, will be deceived if possible. Why would it not be possible? If they're not listening to the teacher, if they're not close to the Holy Spirit, there are going to be things that look like God. There, it says there are going to be signs and wonders, lying signs and wonders. They're not, not, not from God. You better know him. You better know the Holy Spirit so that you'll be able to say, I'm not impressed with that. I'm not impressed just because Pharaoh's magicians could be able to throw down their rods and do whatever. I'm not impressed with that. I'm impressed with his voice in me, his presence in me, the peace that I have in me. So he says that he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. The Holy Spirit will speak what he hears. Whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Where is he hearing? From God. Whatever he's hearing from God, that's what he's speaking. He, was, he won't speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. So he'll guide you into truth. He'll show you things to come. Things that haven't happened yet. He'll show them to you. Why? You're not supposed to be caught off guard. I remember hearing one minister say, I think it was Terry Mize. There was a person who passed away in his family, and he said, I went to God and said, God, how come you didn't tell me that was going to happen? And I thought, ooh. But he, he, as the person who was ahead, you know, in that family, somebody who was a, a, the spiritual leader and a representative, he said, Lord, you should have told me that. And the Lord said, explained why, because that person had remarried and somebody else had become her head. And so he had spoke to somebody else about it. But, but the question is what got my attention. Lord, you'll show me things to come. So I've learned you got to ask the right questions. Remember Keith Moore? He heard about that investment opportunity coming around town. People that he respected, that he had a lot of trust in, they were taking their money out of their bank and putting it into this investment. And he said, I was going to do it just because they were doing it. And I pulled my money out and made an appointment to meet with that person. And that morning, I asked the Lord, Lord, what do you think about this? And the Lord said, I have not given you any reason to trust that person. He's glad he asked that question. He put his money back in the bank and canceled the appointment. Why? Because he asked the right question. He asked the right question. So the Holy Spirit will show us things to come so that we're not caught off guard. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There was a, a time back uh, in the late 70s, a recession that came, and the Lord had told Brother Hagen a year before it happened to cut down on staff, put so much money in the bank, and to take these, they were just natural steps. 
but they came out of the, the instruction of his conversation with the Holy Spirit. And he said, we weren't touched by that recession because we had taken those steps. The Holy Spirit will show us things to come. Verse 14, he shall glorify me, for he will receive of mine and show it all to you. That's the second time in this text it used the word show. He will show you things to come. He will receive of mine and show it to you. And then verse 15 uses the same word again. All things that the Father has, hath, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore said I, he will take of mine all things that the Father has. We're talking about our inheritance. Since the time that I began preaching the In Christ series, which would have probably been about three years ago now, that In Christ series, and we just did the whole 12-week lessons on uh, the television broadcast, but it started since that time. I've been asking the Lord to show me my inheritance. Because you remember that Ephesians prayer says that we might know that this is a Holy Ghost prayer, Holy Spirit prayer, that we would know what are the riches of the glory of our inheritance. We can't know without his help. These things have to be revealed to us. And the more I talk to him about my inheritance, the more he shows me things that are included in my inheritance. I see my inheritance in a way I never saw my inheritance five years ago. If you would ask me what my inheritance was five years ago, I would have said the riches of the glory. But I began to see the authority of Jesus' name is mine by inheritance. I, people who don't know Jesus can't use that. It's mine by inheritance. Hey, my, my glorified body, that's part of my inheritance I don't have access to today. But I'm looking forward to my glorified body. I shall be changed. Amen? In the twinkling of an insight, that's part of my inheritance. You don't get that if you're not born again. Right? That's in, there are things that are in our inheritance that have to be spiritually discerned. And he said, he will take everything that the Father has given me and show it to you. This word show means to announce, to declare, And here's the teacher to rehearse. He will announce them to you. He will show you things to come. He will show you what is mine. He'll take everything the Father has given me and announce it, declare it, and rehearse it. Why? Because he doesn't want you to let it slip. He wants you to have a comprehension of it. So he's got to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. And you will come to a place. You know, I don't have to practice my alphabet anymore but I use what I've learned from the alphabet every day I probably still need to practice my multiplication table because I get to a certain place and that's where I miss some school right I but I use those things every day there are things that the Holy Spirit wants to rehearse and rehearse until they get so ingrained in you that it's easy for you to use them In your walk with him. That's why the Holy Spirit teaches you words to say. He teaches you spiritual words. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for the privilege of the Holy Spirit. 
We're so honored that you have sent him to us. And Father, I pray that each and every one of us would show a greater respect for his position as teacher, the revealer, that we would be better students for the things that he needs to teach us, that we would not come to class and goof off, but that we would take our time with you very serious and very purposeful. That's my prayer, Lord. That our time with you, our time with the Spirit of God, whom you have sent to teach us and lead us, that our time with you would be valued.